Because she moves, she moves. Oh, well, she walks like a bird and she flows like a bee. What? Like every girl in history. She walks like a bird and she floats like a bee. <laughs> like every girl in history. Come on, she bangs. She bangs. Ooh, baby, because she moves, she moves. I go crazy. Cause she M- moves like a bird and she flies like a bee. <laughs> like every girl in history, because she bangs, she bangs. Oh, baby, cause she moves, she moves. I go crazy and she goes like a bird and she's sending me. <laughs> All right, do it. Let's go. You don't even. <laughs> Do it, let's go. Do it, do it, do it, let's fucking go. Oh my god. Do it, do it, do it, let's fucking go. Producer Harrison on one. We gotta today. stop the show. Okay, geez. Come on. Time's ticking, the audience is waiting. <laughs> hey, 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 anybody got tickets to the matinee? <laughs> matinee. Time's ticking. Anybody, time's ticking, baby. Turn off your cell phones, baby. Put your beepers in your pockets. If you if you waited too long to ha- go have your last before the show cigarette, well then step right up to intermission because the show will be presented with no intermission. Let me know if you're in the camp of people who think Harrison is annoying or people who think Harrison is funny. They're one and the same. It, <laughs> no, there's you they're the same. There's camp there's of a people. camp of people who are like but the co-host and there's a camp of people who are like like, but but the (laughs) co-host yeah 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 (laughs) well i they really hate when i sing so and i didn't do any singing there no i mean we did do the she bangs thing but i'm assuming it's going to be cut out we'll see we did sing a little bit at first she bangs she bangs see there it is (laughs) there it is well i want to give everybody i want to make sure i don't leave anybody i don't want my haters to have a little something to hate me for this week. I want my lovers to have a little something to love me for. <laughs> and I want everybody who's kind of in the middle to still feel in the middle. So I have to balance it out, you know. Okay. Happy Easter. Oh, my God. Did the Easter bunny come? Yeah. Oh, my God. Did he, did he come over and bring some eggs? Yes, he did. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was very nice. How cool. Welcome to Spooky Show. Spooky show in the history of the universe ever created in life in itself and in the planet. I'm your host, Kate. Harrison is leaving now. See ya. Just kidding. Just and our special kidding. guest is the Easter Bunny. Hey, how's everybody doing? No! That can't be the Easter Bunny's voice. Oh, no. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Smoking like 12 packs a day. <laughs> Oh, hey, actually, guys, I'll be Easter Bunny. What? That was Mickey Mouse. Oh, hey, guys, gosh. Gosh, I'm I'm Easter Bunny. Okay, let's get into it. Cut, 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 cut. I doubt it. No, you have to. Okay, sure. Because we don't want to scar the children. (laughs) I know you did really make the Easter Bunny. It's me, the Easter Bunny. (laughs) Okay. 
We're getting into it, I promise. All right, what do we got on the old docket today? Okay, remember last episode I said we would do a paranormal story about the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast? I remember, were you lying? Um, There really isn't that much information to do a full episode, so I'm going to just like save some things at the top about it, and then we'll get into today's main story, which is about the Cecil Hotel. <gasps> You know it, right? Yes. Okay. So, Lizzie Borden, the, the bed and breakfast. You can actually stay in the Lizzie Borden, like in Lizzie Borden's former house where the murders took place, which is simply wild. And if you're looking for a place to Lizzie room and board in, that might be a good spot for you. <laughs> and... Of course, many people claim that the ghosts of Lizzie, her father, and her stepmother still creep around that home today. So U.S. Ghost Adventures now owns the Lizzie Borden home, and the CEO, Lance Zoll, says for certain that it is haunted, of course. Um, But he says that guests have experienced limbs or ears being pulled and they have seen figures moving about in the rooms so there's like a woman in a nightgown often seen in the andrew and abby suite Uh and the figure is believed to be abby borden the manager of the bed and breakfast jared shout out jared has has seen doors move on their own and other folks said that like when they're sleeping in the maid bridget's room the uh, wind-up cat toy on the chest starts to, like, play on its own. Very scary. And also, while staying in the Andrew suite, others claim to, like, hear voices and footsteps and furniture move. And some guests have even said that they feel a presence enter the room, like, surround them and touch their legs or, like, pull on the comforter. Which is, Damn. you know, standard paranormal. They keep the house decorated similarly. I can never say that word. Similarly. Similarly. To how it was when Lizzie Borden and her family lived there. So they have like books owned by Lizzie and like several other artifacts on display, which is really cool. That is cool. Tis, tis. The Art Deco uh, radiators are original to the house and the floorboards stained by Andrew Borden's blood from the murder are also still there. (laughs) Yeah. So that's about it. Typical spooky ghost stuff going on spooky baby i would like to stay there in the spooky world in lizzie borden's home oh. at the bed and breakfast i i think that could be pretty cool cool place to lizzie room and board in oh my god okay let's talk about the cecil hotel <laughs> all right let's see what's going on over there speaking of room and board and like living <laughs> yeah, let's see Sol, what's going on over there oh at the God. Cecil Hotel. This is actually another place that is said to be haunted. So we're going to talk about its history, go into all the deaths that have occurred there, and then we'll touch on the paranormal stuff a little bit as well. So this hotel is, like, seriously notorious. It has tons of history and violence. <laughs> it's located in Los Angeles, California, downtown. And was built in 1924 Hmm. by three hotelers. Is that how you say that word? Hoteliers? 
Yeah, I guess so. I never heard that fucking it's term H- before. It's H O T E L I E R S. Yeah, hoteliers. 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 We're a few hoteliers coming in here to hotel. invest in this. Yeah, he's coming into hotel. <laughs> um, so they were William Banks, Hannah, Charles L. Dix, and Robert H. Shops. And it was meant as like a destination for travelers and tourists. I'm Shops and I'm looking for a hotel. <laughs> it was designed by Lloyd Lester Smith, Harrison's great, 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 great uncle. In name only. <laughs> and constructed by W.W. Payton. And it cost about $1.5 million to complete. Damn. And in its early days, this hotel was freaking nice. It was like the place to be. It had beautiful, it had like a beautiful marble lobby with stained glass windows and like these insane You're going to love the lobby. It's a glorious marble. A glorious marble. You're going to love the lobby. You're going to love the lobby. It is a glorious marble. (laughs) And it had like insane potted palms. You're going to love the marble and the potted palms. (laughs) It was just... A gorgeous place. People wanted to stay there. But then the Great Depression happened. So within five years of it opening, the hotel was starting to decline because of that. And we'd say the vibes were pretty bad during the Great Depression. The vibes were bad. The vibes were bad. It kind of popped back up and flourished as a fashionable destination in the 1940s. But not, okay. not nearly enough as it was. Like, it wasn't so much so the place to be anymore, especially because the nearby area known as Skid Row started to really fill with, you know, what it's still known for today. Correct. If you don't know, Skid Row is kind of notorious in Los Angeles, too. There's like it's a tough spot. It's a tough area. Yeah, there's a lot of drug deals there. There's as many as 10,000 homeless people living within a four-mile radius during this time. And whenever I think of Skid Row, I think of that video of Justin and Selena going there to try and buy drugs. Have you ever seen that? No. Oh, my God. If you haven't seen this. I fucking can't. Yeah, look this up. I don't know what happened. Maybe they're a drug dealer just like. All I think about is the song from Little Shop Before Us. Okay. Down on Mine's Skid better. Row. Mine's better. I'm giving all, something off my haters today. Well, yeah. If you if you haven't looked up this video, I guess Justin and Selena's drug dealer was like out of town, and there's a video of them like walking down Skid Row, and like someone gets them on tape, and Justin's like trying to buy drugs on Skid Row with Selena. So that's what I think of. Um, We'll talk about, like, a timeline of, like, the hotel itself first before we get into the stories of the murders and suicides that have happened there. Because there are so fucking many, it's insane how many people have died in this hotel. All right, do tell. So in 2007, a portion of the hotel was refurbished after new owners took over. And in 2011, part of the Cecil Hotel was rebranded as Stay on Main. So it had, like, a separate reception area during the day. But with shared facilities, it was kind of like half hostile because like Sam Main was different from the rest of the hotel because this portion was more for like affordable housing Uh and for people who were looking to stay somewhere kind of cheap for long term. And then the other half was like a hotel. In 2014, the hotel was sold to New York City hotelier, Hotelier. (laughs) Richard Richard Bourne for 30 million. And then another New York based firm, Simon Barron Development, acquired a 99 year grand lease on the property. 
And in 2016, Matt Barron, president of Simon Barron, said he was committed to the preservation of architecturally or historically significant components of the building, such as that lobby we talked about. But his company planned to like completely redevelop the interior and fix the hodgepodge of work that had been done in more recent years. Okay. So the hotel closed in 2017 for this renovation. So they say. Uh, but then COVID hit and the work was suspended indefinitely. So it's just sitting empty right now? Mm-mm. Because December 13th, 2021, so like fairly recently, the CISA Hotel reopened as affordable as an affordable housing complex. Oh, cool. But Op- also scary as hell. that They're like, hey, here's this haunted building that we're going to make affordable housing. I know. It's operated by the Skid Row Housing Trust. So it provides like affordable living accommodation accommodations for 600 low-income residents. Oh, I also remember reading a lot of this, uh, reading about this in regards to the clearing out of encampments in L.A. and Garcetti's kind of work doing that. Why they talked about this? About well, they talk. I remember them referencing offering housing inside of yeah, um, the Cecil Hotel because I remember and also reading that like a lot of. A lot, a huge, significant portion of people were like, fuck now. Yeah. Everyone was like, we don't want to live yeah. there. And like, uh, weird. Well, and for other reasons besides being haunted, but yes. Yeah. And weird stuff was still kind of happening to this day, which we'll get into a little bit later. <laughs> so, like I said, this place is notorious for a lot of deaths and murder and just awful shit. So, we're going to get into that now. And like, it's Let's wild. Okay, so the first documented suicide at the Cecil Hotel was on the evening of January 22nd, 1927, when per- uh, Percy Ormond Cook, who was 52, shot himself in the head mm. while inside his hotel room after mm. he failed to uh, reconcile with his wife and child. Poor guy. The Los Angeles Times reported that he was rushed to the receiving hospital with a slim chance of survival, and death records indicate he did, in fact, die that very same evening. The next reported death occurred in 1931 when another guest, W.K. Norton, died in his room after taking poison capsules. <sighs> and even weirder, a week prior, he had checked into the hotel into the hotel under the name James Willies from Chicago. Oh, no. A lot of people do this. Then in September 1932, Benjamin Doddick, age 25, shot himself in the Sousa Hotel. A maid found him dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, and he didn't leave a suicide, suicide note. July 26, 1934, Sergeant Louis D. Borden, weirdo, Aww. age 53, was found dead in his room at the Cecil. He had slashed his throat with a razor oh, no. and left several notes, one of which cited poor health issues as the reason for his suicide. A horrific way to go. In March 1937, Grace E. Margot, age 25, fell from a ninth-story window, and her fall was broken by telephone wires, which were wrapped around her body, and she later died at the now-demolished Georgia Street Receiving Hospital, and police were unable to determine if, like, Margot's death was an accident or a suicide. January 1938, Roy Thompson of the Marine Corps just jumped from atop of the Sousa Hotel and was found on the skylight of a neighboring building. In May 1939, Erwin C. Neblet, age 39, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison. 
January 1940. Holy Dorothy shit. Dorothy Sager, aged 45, was a teacher who registered at the hotel under the name Evelyn Brent. She ingested poison on January 10th Damn. while staying at the Cecil. And beforehand, she sent her relatives a note indicating she was going to end her life. And she eventually, she died in the hospital two days la- later at sad. General Poor Hospital. Lady. In September 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell was sharing a room at the Cecil with her boyfriend, shoe salesman Ben Levine. And apparently, so Dorothy Jean was pregnant. And in some reports, I've seen that she did know. In other ones, I've seen that she didn't know she was pregnant. Either way, her boyfriend didn't know. So Dorothy went into labor and she gave birth to a baby boy, like in the bathroom of the hotel, just like on her own. Okay. And she thought the baby was dead when she gave birth to it. So she threw him out of the window and it landed on the roof of an adjacent building. That's insane. That is insane. And (laughs) so Dorothy was charged with murder, of course. And three psychiatrists testified that she was mentally confused at the time of the incident. Uh And in January 1945, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Wild. That is really wild. And also just like, seems like something that wouldn't be able to happen in modern New York or or L.A. Like, you know, any of these big cities because they don't build, they build buildings to like be proofed out of like people being able to throw stuff. And jump. Jump and like, yeah, yeah, exactly. November 1947, Robert Smith, age 35, died after jumping from one of the Cecil's seventh floor windows. On October 22, 1954, uh, Helen Gurney, aged 55, was a stationary firm employee in San Francisco, and she jumped from her seventh floor room and landed on top of Cecil's marquee. One week prior, she had registered at the hotel under the name Margaret Brown. On February 11th, 1962, Julia Frances Moore, age 50, jumped from the window of her eighth floor room and landed in a second story interior light well. God. And she didn't leave a suicide note, but a- among her possessions were a bus ticket from St. Louis, 59 cents in change, and an Illinois bank book showing a balance of $1,800. This next one is crazy. Okay. October 12th, 1962, Pauline Ot- Oten, Oten, age 27, jumped from the window of her ninth floor room after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey, and he had left the room prior to Pauline's suicide, but she landed on a pedestrian, George Uh um, Gianni, age 65, and they both died instantly. fucked. So there were no witnesses, and police initially thought that George and Pauline committed suicide together, like they both jumped. But it was soon determined that George had, had his hands in his pockets at the time of his death. Uh-huh. And he was still wearing his shoes. And apparently, if you jump, like, his shoes would have likely fallen off during the fall or upon yeah. impact. Um, and his hands obviously wouldn't have been in his pockets. Awful. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. On June 4th, 1964, Pigeon Goldie Osgood... <laughs> What a fun <laughs> Age 65 was discovered by a hotel worker. She was a retired telephone operator found dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and Jeez. her room was ransacked. And she was well-known around the area, and she got this nickname Pigeon Goldie because she fed the birds in the nearby Pershing Square. 
Near her body was the Los Angeles Dodgers cap she always wore and a paper sack full of bird seed. Hours after her murder, 29-year-old Jacques B. Ellinger was seen walking through Pershing Square with, like, blood all over his clothes. So he was arrested and charged with, Pid- with Pigeon Goldie's murder, but he was later cleared of the crime, and the murder s- is still unsolved. Wow. And she just got, like, beaten and raped and stabbed that's in this so hotel room. Nice. Yeah. That's no one knows. On December 20th, 1975, a still unidentified woman jumped from her 12th floor window onto the Cecil's second floor roof. She had registered at the hotel on December 16th under the name Allison Lowell and was staying in room 327. And now in between all of this, we have Richard Ramirez. You remember? The Night Stalker. So in the mid-1980s, Richard Ramirez, also known as the Night Stalker, who we did an episode on and who murdered 13 people. Check that great app out. Yeah. So he lived in the room on the top, in a room wow. on the top floor of the hotel during much of his killing spree. I, I seem to remember this. Yeah. After killing someone, he would throw his bloody clothes into the Cecil Hotel's dumpster and walk into the hotel lobby, either completely naked or only in his underwear. Jeez. Which no one seemed to clock as weird. And that's apparently because, like, the CISO Hotel at this point in the 1980s was total chaos. Like, uh-huh. Richard Ramirez was able to stay there for $14 a night. And since this was Skid Row, it was, and it was known for having drug addicts who would, like, hang out in the alleys near the hotel, sometimes even in the hallways of the hotel. Like, Richard Ramirez coming in all bloody didn't really cause any alarm. Yeah. Then in 1991, Austrian serial killer Jack Unterweger, he was kind of like the Richard Ramirez copycat people refer to him as, but he was known for strangling sex workers with their own bras. He lived at the Cecil Hotel too. And apparently he chose the hotel because Richard Ramirez stayed there. Yeah. So this hotel was in an area popular with sex workers. So Jack like would just stalk the streets nearby in search of victims and one sex worker he is believed to have killed actually vanished right down the street from the hotel. And Jack even claimed to have dated the hotel's receptionist. Shit. Um, and another weird detail, just going back a bit, there was a noteworthy guest who stayed there once too, Elizabeth Short, oh. also known as the Black Dahlia. Yep. After she got murdered in 1947. So she reportedly stayed at the hotel just right before... She got mutilated and murdered. And that, you know, that murder is still unsolved. There isn't like a clear connection between the hotel and her death. But what is known is that she was found on a street not far away from the hotel on the morning of January 15th with her mouth carved ear to ear and her body cut in two. So she did stay at that hotel. Probably no connection, but still definitely weird. Yeah, definitely weird. On September 1st, 1992, a man's body was found in the alley behind the Cecil. Police said he either fallen or had jumped from the hotel's 15th floor. And this man, this man was 20 to 30, year old, 30 years old, and he's never been identified. That's very sad. And then, of course, we have Elisa Lamb. You know this one? No, but do tell. You don't? Maybe I do. I don't remember. So at least, I, girl, I, it's hard for me to keep half these names straight. Like, you know, this person, you know, this person, I'm like, I think so. Okay, well... Elisa Lamb on February 19th, 2013. Um, we're going to dive into this story a little bit more mm-hmm. so because we have a lot of information on this. Mm-hmm. She, so Elisa Lamb was a 21-year-old college student from Canada, and she was traveling alone. She was doing like a West Coast tour in America 
And on the 1st of February in 2013, she checked into the Cecil Hotel. And originally when she checked in, she, oh, yeah, I know this she was staying with like a hostel in like a hostel type room with a lot of other roommates. But they ended up moving her because the roommates were complaining that she was like acting kind of bizarre. So they moved her to her own room. And this this odd behavior can be seen in the infamous surveillance footage of her in the elevator. So, like, the surveillance footage is its definitely really bizarre. Like, at first, Elisa just gets into the elevator, and it seems like she's pressing all the buttons for all the floors, and then the doors don't close, so she ends up, like, looking outside, coming back in, then going into the corner, and it kind of looks like she's hiding. And we don't know, like, from what or from who. So she then looks outside the elevator again. She looks kind of scared. Then she comes back into the elevator again. And ends up doing, like, really weird hand gestures. And, I don't know, people think she's gesturing to someone. We don't know. Then it looks like she, like, walks off and out of the elevator. And then the elevator doors, like, finally close. And that was the first time they closed during the whole time the footage was going. And this was the last footage or sighting of Elisa Lam. And 18 days later... I hate this part... Guests were complaining that the water pressure was really low and that the water tasted a little bit funny and had, like, a funny color to it. So a hotel staff member named Santiago Lopez went up to check the water tanks on the roof of the Cecil Hotel. And when he went up there and climbed the ladder to look in, he found the body of Elisa Lamb. So when he found her, she was naked and all of her clothes were in the water tank with her, just like around her in the water. And they were the same clothes that were seen on the surveillance footage in the elevator. And what's so strange about finding her in the water tank is that it's kind of really hard to get onto the roof where the water tanks are located without like some kind of alarm going off or something. And the only way to get through there, if you can, is with a hotel key. So there also might have been a fire escape you could get to, like you could use to get to the roof as well but that's kind of hard to get to also but even if like elisa did get to the roof on her own she would then have to like get get up to top of the platform where the water tanks are and then climb a 10 foot ladder to the top of the water tanks lift a 20 pound lid of the water tank get in and then put the lid back on like obviously there are many theories on like whether or not she got in the tank by herself or if she was killed, I kind of go back and forth on it. And I tend to believe that it was probably an accident due to like her mental health, like a mental health related issue. She was reported to have bipolar disorder and she was on like a lot of medications for it. So I don't know, people say this could have contributed to her like death and her odd behavior, but authorities did later rule her death as an accidental drowning. It doesn't make any sense. You think she was murdered? Yeah. Really? Listen to how many things like you describe. Like, and then what would she do? Just like go get in the water tank and then to die and then seal it back up herself. Like that part gets me. Doesn't make any fucking sense, you know? Like, and then it's like what? She just like got in there and like laid there for a while until she drowned. That's like one of the most. Your body resists that form of death like maybe more than anything else, you know. Yeah, I didn't go into, like, all the details. That's, like, a whole other separate episode that we can do maybe one right. day down the line. But Yeah, I'd be down to do that. Yeah, there's... I don't know. Like, a part of me thinks sometimes it really is just an accident. I know, but that one is so weird. So many things have to have been true. Yeah. 
So then on June 13th, 2015, a body of a 28-year-old man was found outside the hotel, and some think he may have committed suicide by jumping from the hotel, but a spokesperson for the county coroner informed the Los Angeles Times that the cause of death had not been determined, and we don't know who this man is either. Damn. So that's all the deaths. Quite a bit, huh? Quite a bit. That's like wild. A laundry list. That is wild at this one hotel. Multi, a multi-decade legacy. I know. That is insane. So Over half a century. Yeah. Of death. So like I said, today it's open for affordable housing. It just opened last year, so like your everyday guests can't just stay there now. But my friend sent me footage of like an ambulance nearby the Cecil Hotel with the caption saying like, oh, stuff is still happening at the Cecil Hotel or something. And I tried to find news articles on like what this was and what was happening, but I couldn't find anything. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I imagine anything going on there is super repressed right now because it's controlled by the city. That's true. So and I don't know. The information coming out of there is probably yeah, it was super like, fucked. It was like a TikTok of someone like filming yeah. ambulances there. So I don't know if stuff is still happening today, but... It might be. So people obviously believe this hotel is haunted, whether it's by the ghosts of the people who died there or just haunted in the sense that, like, when you stay there, you just end up going mad or something. So a lot of people, like, say this with Elisa Lam in particular, like, since she's the only guest we actually have video footage of and, like, we saw her strange behavior, people (laughs) believe that... Like, the last time Elisa Lam was seen, she was actually being haunted by the ghosts of the Cecil Hotel. Okay, I buy that. (laughs) Yeah, obviously authorities don't claim that to be true. And this hotel is considered one of the most haunted places in California. And then Zach Baggins from the popular TV show Ghost Adventures went and stayed there. And when he was interviewed about his time at the Cecil Hotel, he called the hotel spectacularly frightening. And he said he believes that dark energies dominate the hotel, which I believe. They're definitely dark energy there. In an interview with Den of Geek, he said... I've been to a lot of places throughout the world, but when you walk through the doors of the Cecil Hotel, you know there are other doorways to other worlds. If we were to see deeper dimensionally, we would see all the other doors and rooms, and I believe it goes way down into the earth and draws a lot of energy through the earth. It is then magnified by the dark energy and criminal activity of Skid Row and amplified by the rituals of Jack Unterweger and Richard Ramirez. Isn't that wild? He's basically saying it's like a portal to, portal to other worlds and dimensions. Yes. That goes deep down into the earth and just emanates this dark energy. That's very fucking weird. Yeah. So he also stated that the Cecil was messing with him and his crew's minds and like electronic equipment. One of the investigators he was with, Aaron Goodwin was overcome with feelings of rage while he was in the hotel. And even a crime scene photographer was so disturbed being inside of the hotel that he needed to leave. So wild. Um, This hotel also inspired the 2015 season of American Horror Story Ah, Hotel, Hotel, which I think is the best season. My personal favorite. So watch it if you have not. Get into it. It's the best season. Everyone says it's the worst, but it is simply not true. What if I said the worst was Coven? People probably I know the haters are going to come for me. Just predictable. The haters. 
I actually have convinced many people like why, and they they say I'm right. So <laughs> anyway, that's many it. Many people are saying this. Many, many, I've convinced many of folk. Hell yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Pretty fucking crazy. I can't believe that many people. Like there has also, to it's be crazy. They're like housing low income people in there. Now. Yeah, they're like yeah, it's stupid. I mean, I guess it's good. Obviously, we need affordable housing. But does it but, have to be the haunted? Yeah. Does spot? it have to be the place where everyone dies? I think like how can that happen in that one spot? You know. Don't know. Yeah. What is the reasoning? I want to know. Is it just that like everyone was staying there because it was the place to stay? Or, like, because it was cheap? Like, what? Yeah, I don't know. I also wonder if it was known for, like, like the suicide forest is kind of known, and so people go there be- to commit suicide. Like, what if the hotel at that, those times was known for that? Yeah, there was that building in New York. Yeah, so people just went there to do it? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Dark energy. Dark energy. I mean, that suicide building in New York has fucking dark energy. I went over there the last time I was up there. You went in it? Yeah, hell yeah. Dark you know energy. You what I'm talking about? No. The one that they built, like, so, like, just really quickly for folks that don't know, in, like, f- five years ago, four years ago, they built a structure in, an art structure in New York um, at Hudson Yard, and it's a big, like, it's this big, like, art building, but it's really tall. It's all stairs up to the top, and it's hollowed in the center. So the big, like, it's a big rotunda. So, like, theoretically, you could super fucking easy just walk up to the top floor and jump off, and a bunch of people did it, and now they don't let anybody uh, go up in it anymore. Yeah, and, and it used to be you had to go with a buddy because people were going up alone and killing themselves and stuff like that. Yeah. So you said it has dark energy. Yeah, it was fucking dark as shit, yeah. That's so wild. That's crazy how... These things exist, and they yeah. probably are portals or something. Yeah. <laughs> or just like, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, or just like, yeah, weird or Like shit, a Stephen know? King book where it's like the evil is like deep within the earth, and like this building We've just... disrupted it. We have? Yeah. Or like this building just like sits on top of this we like... We disrupted it because yeah. it, it was in a restful state of not being evil. Ugh. Yeah, it's like a Stephen King novel. Damn. All right. Well, Harrison, you want to share that you a new song came out? Yeah, new baseball hat song. It's called One Eight Hundred. Follow Baseball Hat on Spotify. Listen to it there. Or if you want to support the band directly, buy the song on Bandcamp for a dollar or more if you are so inclined. A whole dollar, and then of course rate and review on Apple Podcasts, please, if you would, my friends. Kindly. I love you so much. Please do it for me. That would mean the world. And then. Follow the show at Spooky Show Pod on Instagram. Yeah. And of course, have the best week of your entire life. Bye. Ah!